All right, Talk of the Town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. You know, I just realized as we, we do this show, for those that are watching on the, 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 the feed on Facebook, every time when we begin the show, and we're doing it live and we're doing it on Facebook, I always give a little jump just before we start. It's like I'm trying to kick the horse in the gear. Well, here we go. Away we go for this uh, 20, 30-minute time you and I have together as I serve up the audible chocolate to all of you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Eau Claire Hometown Media on Spotify, on iHeart, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. And, of course, head right to the website, and we've got so many great shows. A uh, great show coming up on Monday. Uh, a brand new edition of the Chippewa Valley Sports Watch presented by Toys and Ford. We'll have members of the Chippewa Falls equestrian team on that program. Nine-time state champions just wrapped up their ninth state title a few weeks ago. And we'll chat with members of that team. Uh, we talk a lot sports-wise about football and basketball and hockey and baseball and you'll, you'll squeeze in things like golf and swimming and all that. But you know, equestrian is, it, 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 it's a sport, it's an activity, it's all those things. And we'll give some love to the equestrian team at Chippewa Falls. Rightfully so, earned uh, that attention on Monday. But of course, yeah, today we've got other things to talk about on Talk of the Town. Just got done with the elections. We've got to recap that a little bit. And also, it's, it's time to hammer our old friends at the Eau Claire Area School District. They make it too easy to hammer them. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. And a reminder of what tomorrow is, Veterans Day. Of course, some of you are, are listening to this on Friday. And if you're listening to this on Friday, because our, our podcasts are downloaded Days after we've recorded them, if it is Friday, happy Veterans Day. If it's after Friday, you better have said a thank you to a veteran out there. And even if it's no grand gesture, it's nothing showy that you're doing, just a moment of of silent solitude reflection yourself. I think that's very important to, to thank those that... We're willing to sacrifice. Now, remember, Memorial Day is the day to honor those that did give all. All gave some, some gave all. And that's what Memorial Day is for. Uh, Veterans Day is for all those veterans that are out there. So if you see a veteran, give them a a high five, a thumbs up, even just a, a smile in their direction. And most veterans are very humble. And we can have a whole other discussion, especially those that participated in the Vietnam War. We, we you know, pick up a history book and you understand, you know, there wasn't quite the same revelry as there was for World War II and even the Korean War. And to that end, you know, they, they, you know, you know they're humble, but also they just want to keep it quiet. They, too, deserve recognition. And even if it's nothing showy and they don't want anything showy, you know, you know, the old thoughts and prayers. You know, we, we, we toss around thoughts and prayers as though it's a negative thing to do sometimes, but even just thoughts and prayers go a long way. Uh, but if you operate a business that can do something for veterans, 
Hopefully you're doing something. And uh, as we'll talk about in a bit, all the schools doing something. And I think that is cool for the kids to be able to pick up on things. Well, speaking of schools and other things, we just got done with the election season. And uh, I think it was a fun election season. Is that okay to say it was fun? It was fun on Tuesday to to follow the national races. And this, I, I love seeing the results come in. Some things aren't as good as they once were. One thing that is better is how we get the results in. And they're able to go you know, county by county on those big boards and red and blue and all that. And, 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 and I think that's just so much fun. To, and they're counting the numbers as it comes in, sort of a live scoreboard. And that's an awful lot of fun to follow. Locally, we won't go through every race, just some highlights uh, here. But I think... I'm not alone in saying this. I am surprised at the barrel roll blowout wins for the referendums in Eau Claire. Now, I think every referendum in western Wisconsin passed. Every referendum that was out there passed. But you look at Eau Claire, the city of Eau Claire's referendum, that passed by a a three-to-one margin. The city, uh, the, the school district's referendum, passed by a three-to-one margin. And you look across the whole area, referendums passing at breakneck speed. One exception being in Boyd, and this is kind of fun, in Boyd, they had a referendum in that, that, that small village. Their referendum passed, but by one vote. One vote, the referendum in Boyd passed. I think it was 146 to 145 but even that passed. But you look at Eau Claire, the two referendums there, blowout wins, which if you go back to Tuesday, I said I had no gut feeling. I voted yes on both referendums for the city and for the school district. But I had no gut feeling at all. You didn't really know. And I think looking back, it should have been almost easy to predict blowout wins. I know looking at the Leader Telegram, uh, their editorial department felt the same way I did. You, you know, you, even if you were optimistic, nobody thought it was going to be blowout wins. But looking back now, hindsight being 2020, we probably should have thought they were going to win easily because you did not have any organized opposition. I, I kind of scratched my head the more I think about it. Think back to the spring and those school board elections. You know, I, I know that we didn't get that many emails to us. People complaining about the school board and, and, and the referendum. and we, we didn't get a lot of emails to our site at all about it. You didn't see a lot of signage up around town. There were no ads telling people to vote no on referendums, either for the city or for the school board. There was no organized opposition. All you had was, again, the pocket that's always going to vote yes, and there's not a big pocket that always votes yes. Then you have the pocket that's going to vote no no matter what. But the people in the middle, I think, went to the ballot box, went to their polling place with a, I have no good reason not to vote yes. Yeah, I don't want to spend more money, but it's necessary. 
There was no organized opposition to the referendums. So while I think we can sit here a few days later and be surprised at the blowout wins, I think we look back and go, we probably should have thought they were going to win easily. I think going into it, I had I thought they were going to pass, but I definitely didn't think they were going to pass you know, a, a, a super majority, you know, more than 60% saying yes, that they want these things. It's rather significant. Obviously, I always remind everybody, though, even though, you know, six or seven out of 10 people voted yes, you had three to four out of 10 that voted no. Let's not lose sight of those people that did vote no on these referendums. It's not though everybody wanted it. There's a good percentage that didn't want it. But it's the beautiful thing about the democracy. Majority wins. And the best thing about referendums is this is direct. This is not putting somebody into an office to do a job and then we'll see what they do. No, this is direct. This is a yes or no. So referendums passed in the city of Eau Claire. A couple other things you saw. Travis Hakes won Chippewa County Sheriff. Uh, won it going away from Kowalchuk's brother. Uh, don't know if I'm surprised or not. Uh, Travis Hakes narrowly won the primary over our friend Dan Markon by, by just dozens of votes. But I think what this shows is the, the people that supported Dan Markon then rallied behind Travis Hakes. And lo and behold, you got the a Republican sheriff in Chippewa County. You now have a Democrat sheriff in Eau Claire County. A race we brought up last week, which, I, which was a very uh, you know, sensationalized race. Didn't get a lot of publicity in the area, but it had a rather sexy story behind it. And that was the Chippewa County Clerks race. Remember that race? That's the one where the challenger, Nate Lydell, who really came into the news a few years ago under tragic circumstances. His baby was the one that was killed at the hands of that adolescent at a home daycare center a few years ago. And in fact, he was running for the clerkship in 2018. His infant was killed about a week before the race. Then he lost the election. He was working in the clerkship at the time. He was running against his boss, lost, and then a few weeks later, his boss, this Karen Hepfler, fired him. And it was a whole story, and, and we, we've gone over it before. Well, Nate Lydell went back again, running for the Chippewa County clerkship, and he won on Tuesday. Won, and won rather convincingly over Karen Hepfler, who was in the clerkship for about 20 years. And the clerk race, clerks, tend to be a position where if it ain't fixed, if it ain't broken, if it ain't broken, nobody really is going to vote somebody out. Karen Heffler got bounced by Nate Lydell. And I, I'd said this about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. You look at the story and, and all that, and you can make an argument, you know, you know, Nate went for the king. He missed, and the king slayed him. You know, he, he, went, he, he went after his boss's job in 2018, and when he did not win, she fired him. Conversely, you, know, you can look at her and go, you just fired a guy who, yeah, he ran against you, but his, his, his baby was just murdered. It was a whole, you know, didn't look good. Didn't look good for Karen. 
didn't look good. And something like a clerkship, even though there's been stories, you know, nationally people worry about voting and all that, you know, deep down, something like the clerk's race, if you are in that position, don't give people a reason to vote you out. And Karen gave people a reason to vote her out. I, I think she came across as not having a heart. Uh, and Nate Lydell ends up winning. So Nate uh, is the new uh, clerk in Chippewa County, replacing somebody who'd been there for about 20 years with no controversies other than what had happened back in 2018. And then you've got, you know, you always see locally people that always pop up and play the role of the Washington Generals. For those that are not sports fans, you've, you've all heard of the Harlem Globetrotters, right? The touring basketball outfit. Well, their foil would be the Washington Generals, a team that they would always beat all right, for many years. It's changed in the last decade, but there would be a team called the Washington Generals that would be their pretend opponent that they would always beat. And in local races, you, you sometimes have people that develop that are the Washington Generals. They never win. They always show up, though, and they never win. And in Eau Claire, I think that's Josh Stanley now. And I've mentioned this before about old Josh. He's run, I think, Josh, who just lost again, has now run on a local level. He ran for an Eau Claire City position, lost. Went for a county position and lost. Went for a state position and has now lost. Josh Stanley has lost, he's 0 for 3, is Josh Stanley. I think it's about time the young man wakes up, has himself a glass of warm milk, and dreams another dream. You know, who am I to tell somebody to not have dreams? But eventually you got to kind of wake up and go back to sleep and see what other dream may develop. I, you know, I dreamed of being a Major League Baseball player when I was a kid. But no matter how hard I tried, that wasn't going to happen. In the case of Josh Stanley, you may want to, re- you may want to pivot. And spare me the stories of Abraham Lincoln, who lost a lot, of, a lot of small elections, and then we all saw where he ended up. Abraham Lincoln worked himself back into positions of power locally and was an influencer uh, in central Illinois and in Springfield. Uh, Josh Stanley has run for these positions and keeps losing. And he's not really in any position of authority in the area. He's not, I'm not somebody to say you don't matter. You know, everybody matters. But Josh Stanley isn't necessarily a big time business owner in the area. He's not on boards. He's, if I'm Josh Stanley, you want to be somebody that has a say in the area. You, you've got big ideas. I'm sure of it. Be a little bit more, do things that have a little bit more control of them. What can you do business-wise that has a little bit more say? Uh, are you able to start up your own organizations? Are you able to work with existing organizations? You can still make an impact without being an elected office. And that, that and, and Maybe that's the route you got to go, and then maybe you're able to come back and try again after you've developed more of a name for yourself. But yeah, John, John Stanley loses again. We'll see if he ends up running again. And he keeps running under a, a Republican ticket uh, and just keeps losing. So it's not like he's running as an independent either. 
I think the first time we heard him was was early in the pandemic too, and you know. Uh, so you look at the, again the, the the races locally, and if you go through the whole list of the races, you can find some other stories, and and uh, everybody's got a you know maybe the people you voted for won, maybe the people you voted for lost. Uh, sadly for Scotty, the people that I voted for almost unilaterally lost. Now my ballot was very purple, a very purple ballot. So you can start to now ID who I had to have voted for. Cause, and you can see, when I say I, I, I split my ticket, oh, do I split my ticket? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think any of my people won. But remember, it's not, like a, it's not like bets, all right? You're voting. These are the people I wanted to get hired. Other people wanted somebody else to get hired, all right? So other people get hired, and away we go. With that, uh, great turnout though. Great turnout overall, and uh, now we'll gear up for in two years. There'll be races next year as well, but two years will be the presidential race. Oh boy! That brings us to the uh, Oak Area School District, and kind of buried in all the election news was the story that came out that the city of Oak, that not the city, but the school district is looking to have that lawsuit that was filed against them by a group of parents a few months ago tossed out. Remember, there's a group of parents suing the district over its guidance to teachers that, quote-unquote, a parent does not automatically have a right to know their child's gender identity, that it has to be earned, that right to be told has to be earned. And this whole thing came to light last February, last March, during training exercises. Teachers were being told, hey, a student comes to you and says, I identify as XYZ. You do not automatically have to tell the parent. That has to be, that trust has to be earned. The student has to tell the parent. And of course, that, is, that has gotten a number of people their, 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 their boxers have gotten bunched up in their crotch over that. Some people are annoyed because, well, it's something that involves the school and you know, how dare those, those wacky liberals do anything. Other people are annoyed, and as you'll hear from me in a moment, as you take a little bit more of a step back at how the whole thing has been handled by the school district. Well, the school is looking to dismiss this lawsuit because this whole thing came to light in February, then this group of parents codified their, their concerns together. Of course, you can always find a lawyer for anything, and they have sued the school district, and the school's looking to have it dismissed, have it thrown out. And while I believe the lawsuit personally is moronic, I think the lawsuit itself is moronic and brought forth by people with, I think, little self-confidence and a feeling of self-worth, and maybe their intentions overall are not entirely pure why they want it thrown out. I also don't think the district makes a valid case to have this thrown out, not in the least. Because the school district argues that this lawsuit is based on speculation. And they use the fact that the parents filing it well, they're not involved directly anyway. Their kids aren't involved. 
Well, to me, that isn't strong enough to have something thrown out because you don't have someone involved until you do. Basically, the school district is saying, well, you can't have, you have no opinion. You can't have an opinion because you're not involved in this. All right, so my, my kids don't have, we do not, you know, here's another thing I could easily come back with. Well, we don't know our kids. We can't say for sure our kids aren't having a, a question of their gender because you flat out said we don't have to know anyway. I mean, it could be, it could get all tied up in knots. But it was a, and I, and I looked through that 36 page document. The district makes a very weak argument. And that's lawyers, by the way, that you and I paid for in the city of Eau Claire. That's wasted money. That lawyers we paid for came up with a rather weak argument to have this thing thrown out. Basically, you said, well, these. In essence, they're saying, again, these parents that have brought forth this lawsuit you can't, you can't challenge us. Why can't we challenge you? You can't challenge us because you can't. Ha ha. Now let's go back to what I've said since day one on this whole thing. Since day one, the overall concept that was brought forth makes sense. It's similar to any type of business to develop trust between yourself and the client. In this case, the teacher and the student. Be so trusting that your client or your student will tell you anything. In this particular case, be so trusting that the student will tell you anything, including perhaps that they have questions about their gender identity. And while I believe most understand the goal of this isn't to withhold info from parents, that's not the goal of this. You always have a group that could take this concept and go more to the extreme, which as the months have gone by, I must say, I think I was wrong in the spring. Because some of the people that brought forth their concerns early on said, Scott, you don't understand. There are people that will they'll use this to say, you know, parents shouldn't know anything. And in the past few months, I don't have any, you know, direct uh, factual proof or even any anecdotal proof. But I could see a pathway that there are people that believe that there should be you know, you've always heard about the idea of a separation of church and state, perhaps a separation of school and home, which is not good. An idea that the teacher has more of a role than the parent, which should never be the case. Except in extreme examples where a child has a horrendous home environment, and in that case, it's, there's a whole other issue we've got to go through. But you got to remember this. A teacher-student relationship, even if it's outstanding, isn't long-term. But a, a student, a child's relationship with their home, preferably with a mom and dad, but it could be any other type of trustworthy adult guardian, that is much more long-term. 
Your teacher isn't going to come to your wedding. Well, maybe they will. You know, they'll, they'll come, your teacher will come to the reception if it's in town and you had a great three-year relationship with a teacher and whatever. But they're not going to be part of your bridal party. They're not going to be part of your groom's party. They're not a lifelong friend. They're an acquaintance. So again, since day one, I've thought this whole idea overall makes sense. But specifically, it's becoming quite clear that it is specific. That this idea of gender, uh, you can withhold information from the parents. While that might not be the, the actual goal of this, there is a pathway where you can see that it is. I believe, par- I believe the parents that are involved in this lawsuit, they themselves are overreacting. But I will say this over the last few months, the district itself has had plenty of time to redefine what this was when it came out in the spring. And I've said, you know, I was trusting. I said, I, I, you know, I saw this. I don't think they mean this verbatim, though. They were trying to provide an example. But you know what? Frankly, the school district, school district has taken advantage of my trust and my assuming that they weren't this extreme. And arguably, they've doubled down on it. I mean, if we want to have this argument, we really can. There has been, and I hate using the term, oh, I've done my own research. Because that's, 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 that's a gateway to saying, well, I found something that makes me feel good. And I'm not going to, you know, I, that's a gateway to saying I found something that makes me feel good. But I've, you know, I was hearing a great thing on all things NPR a few days ago when I was driving downstate. And it was the only thing I can get on the radio for about 15 minutes. And we talk about gender identity in particular. We're talking 15, 16-year-old kids. You've been 15, 16. I've been 15, 16. And it's very realistic right now to think... It's very realistic that kids are confused anyway. A 15, 16-year-old doesn't, you know, they're still defining who they are. They're defining what they are, what they want to be. And it's natural to maybe even question, am I a he? Am I a she? Am I a they? Doesn't mean they actually are a she, a he, a they, or anything like that. But, you know, it's another thing kind of going on in their head. It's not a fad. It's not necessarily just a a bad case of trying to generate attention or anything like that but it is you know it's you coming of age a little bit too and this is from people that are you know much more smarter than you and i when it comes to psychology and sociological experiments and sometimes things like these 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 fights and all this about you know what a school district should do and all that you're almost pushing kids in, into a decision they don't want to make that you know you're like well you you have you yeah it, it sounds weird it's almost counter counterintuitive you're almost forcing them into making a decision anyway well what are you well i don't know well you don't know that means you're 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 fluid then you're gender fluid well no, i i didn't say that either you know so to again recodify this whole thing, do I think the law should sh- law should, should be thrown out? Absolutely not. I think the lawsuit itself is moronic, and I think the school district is moronic. Can everybody be moronic? 
And that's really what I come down. That's what I come down to. I think the whole thing is moronic. I think the parents that brought this forth are kind of overreaching. And I think the school district itself is moronic for doubling down on this. Doubling down. I think the overall concept of, hey, let's have teachers that are, your goal is to be that trustworthy person to the students is fine. But clearly, and I gave them trust that, that, that this was not specifically what they meant, but apparently this is, this is specifically what they meant. Uh, speaking of schools, one thing that is good, though, and I want to reach down and grab this, and I know the Eau Claire schools are doing this, so are other schools. Lots of Veterans Day events. Uh, and I think this is great for the kids in the schools uh, to feel that patriotic pride, to understand, you know, you're putting actual flesh and blood in front of these students as opposed to just history lessons. Uh, and of course, every single day we're losing, you know, we're, we're down to a scant number of World War II veterans, but we have Vietnam veterans and we still have Korean veterans. We have veterans of even peacetime, which let's not forget those that were in the Army, in the Navy, in the Air Force during peacetime because they also were willing it's just, and this is a good thing. They didn't have to. But looking here, you know, you got a bunch of, uh, of events here, you know, both of the high schools doing events, the middle schools are doing events. A lot of them are going to have uh, speakers come in to talk to the kids. Uh, some of them, especially the elementary schools, are going to bring in lots of veterans and have the, uh, the students sing them songs, uh, which is cute. Uh, let's see here. Uh, just read one here. And, you know, let's see here. Locust Lane Elementary is going to host a program on Friday. Each grade level will perform a patriotic song. And a visiting veteran will speak to the student body. Uh, Meadowview is making cards for veterans. That's going to be distributed at a, at a local breakfast. Flynn's got uh, cookies and coffee uh, that's going to be served to veterans in the, in the school lobby. I think that's fun. Why every school is not doing the exact same thing, I have no idea. But we've gone down that road before when I've argued about the schools not doing the same thing. <laughs> uh, but that is one of the good things that's being done. And I think people, uh, you know, it, it, I think that's, that's, a, that's an outstanding thing. And I'm sure that this, the leader telegram has listed out what the old queer schools are doing. I would be flabbergasted if Altoona and Chippewa and Elk Mound and you know, all these other schools in Regis, you know, I'm sure every school has something going on. I don't think there's anybody that is um, skipping Veterans Day. And if they're not doing something tomorrow, maybe they've done stuff throughout the course of the week or they'll do something tomorrow. I'd be, I'd be dumbfounded if, if you've got a school that's not doing something for Veterans Day because uh, it is a chance to, again, educate everybody on, on what on who veterans are and what they've done and uh, a reminder of those that are that are still serving our country and gives you all the nice little feels you know inside uh, those great feels that we all get 
Well, then that'll wrap it up for today's edition of Talk of the Town. Back with you again next week. Hard to believe we're two weeks away from Thanksgiving. There will not be any shows Thanksgiving week, so we'll have two shows next week, and then we'll be off for a week. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody. Making sure you and your loved ones can live comfortably in the future starts with choices you make today. At RBC Wealth Management, they can help you make the right choices in using the assets you've built up over a lifetime. Whether it's leaving something for your loved ones, enjoying your own retirement, or giving to a favorite charity, RBC Wealth Management will help you plan for the coming years and the coming generations. Call the Quigley Group at the Eau Claire office of RBC Wealth Management at 715-858-7788 to see how they can help. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC.